welcome back to the Excellence Cartel. Today's episode is Q&A Day with the three amigos. And with that being said, I want to turn it to Sue, 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 Sue. Su. <laughs> Always me. Fine. I'll Why go don't you let Jason go first? Every Fine, time. Jason. Old people go first. You go that, first. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> so the week uh, has been great. Um, you know, uh, business is usual for me really at this point, um, which is great. Um, we've got a lot of hurdles going on with, uh, new ethics, not in that we, uh, aren't doing great with sales. It's that we just got to get more content out and, um, you know, our marketing team wants more and more stuff from us. And it's hard when you've got three or four people. Um, so, you know, we got some challenges there, but, um, everything's really so far for me is going well. Um, and I wanted to pass just a little tidbit on to people because I'm getting more and more people asking me like what supplements I would take for this Corona stuff. And so I did a little digging and, you know, we were talking about this before we came on air, but you know, the reason that Corona kills and, and, and people that have, you know, disease are the ones getting this is because it loves inflammation in the body. Why are kids not getting this? Because kids haven't been through all the stresses of the bullshit of life. And so they haven't eaten bad long enough. They haven't done all these things that uh, a lot of the adults have done. And so they're not getting it. So you've got to think and read. And if you read about the disease, it really starts a cytokine shit storm, kind of like similar to HIV can do. So you got to look at things that help, you know, prevent that vitamin D uh, will lower cytokines. Um, curcumin is probably one of the best at lowering it. Um, and it'll directly lower that IL-6 protein, uh, carrier that uh, will, will, will send the macrophages to the lungs. So that IL-6 um, being inhibited by uh, curcumin is really, really important. So if I was going to recommend two um, supplements for you guys, it'd be vitamin D and then uh, a curcumin. And then of course, you know, you can obviously boost up your gut health and do all that stuff, but just look at the way this attacks. You want to be the least inflamed inside your own body. So, you know, if you don't eat enough veggies, we have gourmet greens, you can hit all that, but if you only had a limited budget, I'd hit vitamin D and curcumin and just rock that uh, until the shit passes. But other than that, it's been a great week. I'm just working normal, um, getting training in. I'm actually clamped down on my diet. I want to come out of this looking better. So all in all, man, I'm, I'm pretty in good spirits. Question for you. What are you doing with the new ethics thing since there's only three or four of you doing that? Are you guys? Yeah, I figured it out. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's the last answer on how a company's run. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Sue. All right. Do I need to redo it? Like, sue, 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 sue. Yeah. All right. All right. There, so, do it. Hey, man. You know, like I was telling you guys, you know, I'm kind of just like over all of this. I just want life to return back to normal for everyone. But you know what? I'm doing what I can. Signed some more clients. Uh, had a couple renew their packages or sign back on after taking a break for a few months. So all in all, I've made up for my losses. I, you know, I took a loss of three clients leaving me. Um, when all of this started. So I've recovered from that and then some, so I'm happy about that. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I was talking to you guys about this, about, um, you know, how a lot of small business owners can get potentially could have had relief from the SBA by applying for that, uh, that loan. And it was supposed to be like $10,000 float, float you, uh, just in case things were to continue to get worse. And they sent out an email today saying that it's actually a thousand dollars per employee. So right. if you are the sole owner of, you know, if you're a sole proprietor, or if yep. you're the sole owner of an LLC, like I am, you only got a thousand dollars. Yep. So if I lose like all my clients, what the fuck is a thousand dollars going to do for me? 
you know, so I was talking to, you know, you, Jeff, before we got on air and it's really just sink or swim, you know, yeah. no one's going to help us. So it's up to, you know, everyone out there to be innovative and to just work your fucking ass off if you want to survive this thing. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, that's all I got on my end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did that uh, COVID-19 episode on Sunday that dropped um, with Allison, who's my account, and Nick, who's sales, um, you know, does sales consulting. So if you all haven't heard that, I would suggest listening to that because Allison, who's a CPA, dumped a lot of information to go try to do to be able to help as best you can. But I agree with you all that it is sink or swim. I know that that's pretty much how I've approached all my financials for the next little bit. So um, I posted in my private group with my online, with my clients and Ashley's clients and Landon's clients and a few others, uh, if I should run the May draft. Because if I don't run the May draft for the gym, I can't purchase any supplements at the beginning of May. And so I've been selling supplements. Like we're pushing out a grand of new ethics a week. Um, like our reorders, stuff like that. It's gone down a little bit just because of floor traffic. But for the most part, the loyal diehards have been picking up there. So the overwhelming response is for people to go ahead and for me to draft May 1st. And it sounds like between our governor in Tennessee, Trump and other governors that they're looking to reopen this on May 1st. So I'm pretty confident that I can go ahead and do the draft and not have to kick back a lot of money to people and be able to sustain it. But the one cool thing I want to let everyone know is I've still paid all my staff. There hasn't been one single hour cut or anything. You know, we planned for a little bit of winter in there when I've done my budgeting and everything. So we've, we've been able to still pay everyone and we're just non-essentially doing essential stuff inside the gym, if that makes sense. But uh, I'm like you all, I've signed up a few online clients. Um, I've been working on making video content, growing my personal brand and things like that. And then the big thing for me tomorrow is I write my final chapter to my book, the conclusion. So yeah, no man, it's like a daunting project. Did you decide if you're going to leave it in journal type or if you're going to go ahead and organize it? So one of my clients, Professor Jimmy, is actually a a retired English professor from MTSU and he wants to like edit it for me. Mm. So I think what I'm going to do is be like, I think I might do the edited version and Mm. then I might do the journal so people could pick because the edited would be a cleaner version that your kids could read and then the journal one would be more where, Mm. because I talk about microdosing LSD, I talk about my depression, I talk about um, just some brutal stuff that went on there and I don't know how that kind of frames, but the one big thing, I, I, I personally lean towards more of a journal. It would be more discombobulated, but I think people would, I think the impact would be greater because of the way I wrote it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense at all. It so, does. It I does. Mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it, but otherwise that's been my week and I figured we would kick it off with some questions. Let me, let me take uh, one minute real quick. Um, I forgot. I wanted to announce, I haven't, I haven't got her bio up on Scooby Prep yet, um, but I've been, I've been bringing on a new coach. Um, I've been really small. Yeah, I, her name's Meredith Patchy, and ah, uh, good coach, man. She's smart. Knows her she's, stuff. Well, yeah, she's. Here's the thing: like people always wonder, well, who, why do you choose, and who do you choose? I mean, she made it clear that she wanted to learn every single thing she could about this, and she also went through it herself in terms of like a lot of hormonal problems. Um, so it was the passion. I was just like, yeah, she'll make a good coach. So I, I trained her up, and. Um, I'll release it here soon, but just so people know, um, you know, if you're concerned that, you know, cause you hear me talk about, you know, staying very busy, not that I, any of my clients don't get my full attention, but you know, I do have another client now who's 
really trained and been trained up. I'm sorry, another um, coach who's really been trained up in helping females with their hormones. And sometimes women just want a female touch instead of a man. I'm a little more blunt. And, um, you know, so that option is now available at Scooby Prep. So if you're one of those people who have hormonal issues and either you wanted to work with a female or you just were worried about maybe my client load or just anything that was keeping you from reaching out, um, I did bring on another coach who's heavily trained and being able to fix metabolic compensation that has the hormonal component to it, um, along with SIBO and gut issues and all those other things I, I've trained her up on. So I just wanted to throw that out there at the beginning of the show rather than the end. No, I think that's good. In fact, I, I think with that being said, I think the three of us would all agree that if we were too busy, we would tell you all through this podcast, we are not taking new clients. Yeah. So yeah. we are all at a point we can manage our loads. Yes. And in fact, I'm starting to make the transition more to online. I know for a fact that when this goes back to normal, I won't be going back to the gym on Wednesdays at all. I'm going to take that gotcha. day completely off. So we all have Wednesday and Sunday completely off from the gym. I think it's smart for you. I know you like the personal <laughs> training. You're not going to ever give that up. But I mean, I think in terms of like just longevity for your body and your bone yeah. disease and everything, I think having that full day where you can just sit and chill is going to be really important. I mean, obviously you get your weekends and stuff, but yeah. a lot of times we don't chill really on our weekends. So I think that'll really actually work well for you. And plus, you know, um, the online is, is, is kind of the way of the future. So I think that's I think smart, so. man. I yeah. think so. <clears throat> I'm a, I mean, I signed up for feed for function. Yep. I'm going to see how I can integrate that for like my online clients yep. to like kind of give them a little bit better of a interface and experience. I want to see how I can make that work and then yep. just use my, my current system with my in-person people. So that way my online would have like a little extra perk to it. If you yep. went with the online, yep. I'm thinking about maybe like once a month zoom calls with online people where they could just kind of Q and a me for 30 minutes, things like that. I think that I agree with you all. I think that the people who could pivot will survive this and the ones who are good will go to great. The ones who are great, as long as they didn't have any principal center problems, will stay there. The ones who are mediocre, Sue, it's like sink or swim, baby. Either, <laughs> you know, you just get thrown in the water and, and something's going to happen. I, I, we've seen a few of I've, <clears throat> the business I was telling you all at the very end of me, he went out of business. I, mm -hmm. I said that on the podcast Sunday, but he closed it up between the tornado. You know, we had that, that put us out of business the first two weeks. And then we got hit with COVID like a few days later. And he was a gym, right? Yeah. It was a boot camp facility. So he, to gotcha. my knowledge, did not charge gym memberships, mm. charge yeah. trainers rent. Yeah. Um, and then basically it was just living off of that. And that's yeah. just, yeah, I think I said, in. dude, I said this in the podcast Sunday and then we'll get in our Q and a, but I think that because of this, <clears throat> I am actually going to change my approach for the gym. So right now it's $45 a month and it's 60 day paid notice to cancel. I don't do contracts because of this. I'm going to institute contracts, crank it up where you could go month to month and except there'll be more like maybe 50, 55 a month, do a one year contract at 45, but allow people like a third, like a three month paid notice to leave early. So like, Hey, you can get out of your contract anytime, but you have to pay a little bit to do it and then do a two year at like 40 a month. Mm -hmm. because that way to, it will help me be able to project my revenues better yep. and things like that. I, I think that gyms are going to have to go, the mom pod gyms like us are going to have no choice, but to go that way because we're going to have to put all these clauses in. If you can't access the gym because you know, yep. it already looks like a legal nightmare in all honesty, but I think that that's just going to be the way it's going to have to be. I wouldn't be surprised yep. if you see barbers do like monthly packages where you could get like X haircuts a month, but this rate and then the right. walk-in rates higher. Yeah, kind of like a tanning bed does. or a Yeah, lot of to be able to yep. secure it. I think you're going to see a lot of businesses change, man. Like if I was going to open a restaurant, 
I would make it all about takeout and delivery and the curbside experience. I wouldn't even fuck with trying to get people to like come in and sit at my table, maybe have like a little small bar area where people can drink while they're waiting for something. But I think that you're going to see a lot of those, a lot of those businesses fade to the side. So yeah, it's really, really sad, man. It's really sad. Like someone like me, I was completely debt free with my company until this happened. And then that's where I struggle with the government. Like, why are you making me, why don't I have any guidelines on how to do anything? Like, just, right. you know, there was like Thanos, they just snapped their fingers and boop, gone. You know, half of the economy just went right away on our, but that's for a whole nother day. With that being said, let's kick this baby off. So the first question, we have 10 questions. So what we're going to do is we, I slated out 10 for this podcast. People have asked Sue, myself and Jason over time. And if we're going to get through as many as we can in the hour, and if we don't, we'll just do another Q&A next week, finish them out. And if you guys have any more, hit us up. But that's kind of what we're looking to do. But the first question is how to bring up weak body parts in the off season. I'm just going to give you a hint. Lots of insulin pre and post workout. <laughs> <laughs> I can, but, I'll but give we'll you get, a better answer than that. For I everyone. Come on. That, that was like the best answer right there, though. I mean, there's like yeah. good and like pick the best answer. You know, you're doing that like on your test, like SAT. Which one fits best? That's best. Insulin. Jeff, I'll, I'll kick this one off. All right. Go ahead. Kick it off. I I still have weak body parts and I had weak body parts before. So for example, my back was really, really bad um, several years ago, probably like four years ago, three years ago. And now my back is one of my stronger points. Um, right now my hamstrings are a weak point. My arms are a weak point, right? And the one, the one very simple piece of advice that I would give to anyone who's trying to bring up a weak body part is prioritization. You want to train it earlier in the week when you're fresh. Train it first in a workout. Um, and then, you know, train it a little more frequently. You know, like there's no, you know, shame or harm in deviating from that traditional bodybuilding split and going into something a little more dynamic where you're training like kind of like a weird combination of body parts so that you can hit them more frequently throughout the week. Um, that's one thing that I had to sort of shift my mind away from is like upper lower or like you know chest shoulders triceps back biceps that kind of stuff and do weird things like you know delts hams and calves and like one set of quads or one exercise of quads something like that to allow that frequency but um it's really just you know prioritization and frequency you know for me at least i know for me my legs have been my weak point because of all the surgeries i've endured so one thing for me was getting into blood flow restriction training that was very big for me. My legs have done very well with that. So my contribution is I agree with Sue. You got to hit a little bit more. You got to be a little bit more intense with what you're doing, a little bit smarter with your, <clears throat> with your nutrition, you know, especially your intra and pre and post workout, kind of like what your recovery model looks like and things like that. But don't be afraid to step outside the, the box and try something completely different. Cause you see a lot of people who will say like, Oh, that BFR doesn't work. I'm like, no, no, it really actually does. So but you got to give everything a spin for yourself. With that, I'll turn it over to Sensei Theobald to polish this one off. Um, I mean, one of the things that really hasn't been added, and I think it actually has to be looked at first, is most people who have weak body parts, they don't execute the, any of the exercises properly. Um, and what I mean by that is they don't feel the muscle. Um, so they're picking exercises a lot of times that they think, you know, oh, you got to squat to grow legs. You've got to bench press to get a chest. You know, all these different things. That, you know, for me for years, um, I bench pressed because that's what everyone said you had to do. And my chest just would not grow, but my damn delts kept getting bigger. 
my cues and my signaling and my motor patterns were just off. You know, my, my shoulder blades weren't, weren't contracted back to the bench. Uh, my elbows were too far out. Um, I wasn't driving with just the pecs. I was losing too much weight because everyone said, you've got to be getting stronger. But what was happening was my triceps and, and shoulders were taking it over. So my advice on weak body parts is you got to throw everything out the window that you think you fucking know about that body part and start over. So when I started over with chest, I literally had a quarter on my hammer, my hammer machines. And why hammer? Because I feel it. And so don't worry about any fucking exercise that anyone says you have to do. You have to figure out how to feel it. You might have to sit more forward on the seat like I do for chest. You might have to sit further back in it. You might have to put your arms a little more out. You might have to put them a little more down. But think of, you got to learn the cues. So like for chest, you're driving elbows towards each other. That, if you think of that, it really helps contract the pecs. If you're thinking of back, the hands are hooks and you should be driving with your elbows, which is going to engage the back right away rather than your forearms and your biceps. So um, throw out the weight, start way over, and then throw tempos in where you're really, really going slower and exaggerating so that you can feel the muscle actually fire. And so once you get that down, then you can start training and adding weight. And then you can get into different things like frequency. Yeah, if you do less volume, but hit it three times a week as long as you're feeling it actually work. But if you do all that shit before you get the motor patterns down that work for you, it's really not going to help because I tried it. So you got to throw everything out the window, start over, get the motor patterns down, make the muscle fire properly and just start lighter. And once you can feel it work, then you can start adding weight and then the, the part will respond. I've had my calves come up big time and I've had my chest come up big time by just doing what I told you. You guys want to touch on insulin about how to bring up a weak body part? Go for it. So that's something that obviously insulin would be like a fire hose of nutrients um, to the body part. So when you're, for me, for example, with legs, like off season, I might do four IUs of Humalog pre-workout for my upper body and that's it because that's all I really need. So on leg day, what I will do is I will kick it up to maybe six or eight IUs, but bump my food up accordingly, bump my fats up a little bit to allow like the slower dispersion of the carbs. I will double my intra nutrition and then post-workout, I'll take another four to six IUs. So that way, basically for a couple hours, I've just got everything shuttling through to begin the repair process. That has been a little bit of a hack. However, I do caution with anyone who does insulin to be smart about it, carry your blood glucometer, make sure you have sugar on you and things like that. But that is a little hack. I do think that there is a point that you only get so much out of it and then you've got to take a break from it. For me, that was about four to six weeks. And what I would normally do if I was at that point where my BGs were coming up and I just was not feeling good, I could tell I wasn't getting a good response from the insulin. I would drop the insulin down completely out and I would cycle my GH at that point. So I would put my GH at normal two IUs in the morning. I would go one IU in the morning, one IU pre-workout, one IU post-workout. I don't know if there was any logic to that, but that did honestly help me with my recovery. So I figured I'd throw it out there and everyone could try it if they wanted to try it give me their opinion but did you guys do any tactics like that with gh or insulin while we're on the topic of this i mean there's plenty of them i mean what i like to do with people is you know eat your your pre-workout meal um i don't like much fats tops five grams mct oil it burns more like coconut it burns more like um a carb so you're not worried about shuttling that fat um as you're taking insulin because insulin is just a transport system so it's going to transport whatever you put in your body um, so I'm going to go higher carb and then I'm going to wait 15 minutes 
to 20 minutes and then hit the humalog when those carbs are finally getting digested um, and coming through. And then the, the, the humalog usually peaks in like 15 minutes. It starts to hit pretty hard. So you're trying to time up that, that insulin um, with, with the spike of the carbs getting into the bloodstream is what you're doing. And then go train. And like Jeff said, he has intracarbs. If you're only doing four to five IUs, you literally can do 50 grams of carbs pre and um, anything you do intra is going to be icing on the cake. You're not right. going to go hypo. I mean, if you add another 40 carbs and then, you know, like he said, if you're going to do a workout, which you don't have to, you can start with pre and then as you graduate, hit it post. And I hit that one right away with clients. So they get in, I hit that one right away. So um, I'm getting that in them. I'm clearing out any carbs from the interest so their bodies wanting the carbs. And then I go ahead and have the, the meal in, you know, 10 minutes, whatever it takes to prepare it. And that times out pretty well. Um, if you use GDAs and you time your carbs well, and maybe you even do some, you know, uh, fasting where you eat maybe 10, 11 AM five, I use insulin will last a long time. You won't lose insulin sensitivity to it. So you can stay on something like that for, for months. And as long as you're getting a good pump and your BGs aren't going up, but they shouldn't, that type of dose will keep your blood glucose coming down, not, not going up. Um, what Jeff was talking about losing sensitivity happens more with Lantus. When you're pounding that your body, literally, I mean, how do you get insulin insensitive? It's when you're releasing too much insulin. So that's when you have to really watch it with something like Lantus. And that's a whole other podcast, but you know, Dude, when, you're using log, wild. when you're using log and time and it pre and post, um, if your doses are fairly low, like I was talking about, um, you're, you're probably going to stay really insulin sensitive for a pretty long time, especially using a GDA and not pounding carbohydrates and timing them right. So that's how I do it with clients. Um, you know, it does work. I mean, but for those of you who don't dabble in those things, um, start back at the basics. You've got to be able to feel it. You've got to learn the motor patterns and you've got to get really good at the few exercises that you really feel. Um, so. Sue, anything to chime in there? Next question. No, I'm fine. I mean, you guys covered most of it with the insulin. I will say this, though. Lantus and Humalog together, that was a crazy ride. No, I, for sure. I mean, I that's, put on so much. I was yeah, walking I mean, around That's huge territory, for sure. Oh, dude. I felt terrible after about three weeks on it. But that's a whole other podcast, like you said. Um, off-season drugs versus pre-contest drugs. So, I guess what we're going to – why don't we take this question and spin it as how we, what we like for our off season drugs and how we do them versus our pre-contest drugs. We can either use our self as an example or maybe do some clients, whichever works for you guys. And Sue, I'll kick it off with you since me and Jason just went. All right. Yeah. Off season. I would not push any, uh, I mean, orals. I, I mean, you could use D ball for a little bit to kick it off, but I would save like all that, like really like liver thrashing uh, stuff for pre-contest. So obviously, I mean, I personally wouldn't run trend in the off season. Um, you know, like I said, don't, don't stay on orals and use, I, I would more so use stuff like test, uh, DECA or NPP Primo. Primo doesn't agree with me. It hurts me. I don't know. I've, you know, I've tried many different types and I always get horrible PIP from it. So, um, I, I would say test DECA MPP EQ would be pretty good off season, uh, drugs to use and, um, you know, save all the other stuff for pre-contest. Okay. What about you for pre-contest drugs? What do you, what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, pre-contest, usually I start off with test and EQ. Um, and then I'll make a switch over to uh, test and Masteron and trend. And then usually I'll drop the trend at the very, very end. And I'll also drop the test 
ride in on Masteron with Orals, and the Orals being Winnie, um, Anavar, and Proviron. And the last, I think, week or two, I'll do Halo testing to really harden up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, how would you describe your – what do you think with doses? Okay. How would you – you more of a moderate guy, more of a low guy, more of a high guy? You know, when I was younger and, uh, you know, I've, I fucked around with this stuff myself a lot. You know, I've, I've tried tests up to 1,500 milligrams per week. Yeah. You know, I've tried that. And, uh, you know, in the early days when, you know, Jason and I first linked up together, I remember emailing Jason and telling him, I'm like, oh, I just feel like shit. I feel lethargic. Like, I just want to sleep all day. Like, you know, all this stuff. And then, like, this was before I discovered blood work and the importance of blood work. I was running, like, 800 EQ, 1,500 tests, and I had D-ball and everything. And my blood was probably, like, fucking sludge. And that's why I was so tired and having to nap all day. And then, you know, I wasn't paying attention to my E2, so my estrogen was out of control. Maybe, like, my Arimidex wasn't, wasn't right, like, wasn't real or something. But if you have uncontrolled estrogen and your hematocrit's, like, out of control, like, for men, if it's, like, 55%, you're, like, borderline going to, like, have a stroke. So that's why you're feeling, like, you know, belabored and tired is because your systems are just so, like, you know, like being pulled down from all this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't go that high anymore these days, you know, I'm 36 now. I, I want to live a long and healthy life. So with tests, oh. I'll go is like seven fifty. you know? Okay. All right. So yeah, things have changed. What about you, Jason? Pre-con we have off season drugs versus pre-con and versus pre-contest drugs. You want to, well, I mean, it's going to change for everyone, right? I mean, it depends on goals, where you're at, how long you've been training, how long you've been cycling. So this is a hard one to tackle with just throwing numbers out there, but you know, I'll, I'll say compounds. I, I believe a lot like with Sue, you know, I, I, I don't recommend orals in off season. The only time I would use them is if, you know, you're on a crazy progressive overload type training, um, you know, spot, say you're pushing for eight weeks and you want something to get you over the hump, you know, you can hit, you know, whatever oral works great for you because they're fast acting and they usually increase strength like crazy. But I really don't use them with people in the off season. I, I want to keep the liver going uh, nicely and like Sue said, not crash it. Um, I'm, I'm a kind of same. Very rarely do I put training plans off season, save that for contest, ripping up. Um, test, I really, you know, I, I like to put in pretty much every cycle. I have a base of test. Um, I'm not a super high test guy. Um, I do like to see things uh, like, you know, EQ, uh, MPP, Primo, um, Masterin even has its spot if someone has issues with um, converting estrogen a lot. So, you know, it's going to kind of depend. They're going to have to work on it. But I think the you know, work on what works for them. But over time, I think what you, you want to do is kind of mimic more so the body. So, you know, you can rely on, rely on your testosterone a lot. You can lose a little EQ, but like he said, watch your hematocrit. Um, but really, you know, you can grow well with a test um, and, and just a little DECA. So you don't got to go crazy here um, off season. And then contest prep. I mean, you know, it's kind of all bets are off, you know, how funky you want to get with it. Um, but I usually start off with, uh, depending sometimes even on, do we got a gain still? Maybe I'll have EQ in there. Maybe I'll have DECA in there to start off with test. Um, you know, you can use Humalog, you know, at lower doses with contest prep. You'll actually help you get leaner as long as you're not probably an endomorph. Um, GH helps, um, you know, and then as you come down, your cutters are Trend, Winstrel, um, Halo, Proviron. 
um, let, keep the test in there, but I'm not a big test guy. Once prep starts, I might give like, you know, 300 base and then use more of your anabolics all the way through. I know some guys still really like all that test, but I'm just not a big uh, fan of, you know, 750, 800 megs of test while you're trying to cut. I, I like that lower. I like to rely on the anabolics more um, and, and do it that and go that route. But um, you know, th all these things have to do with what level you're at. So it's really hard to say, but just keep orals out, keep trend out. Um, and you'll probably be doing okay and monitor your blood work. Agree with that. <clears throat> the only thing is, so when I do off season, I prefer higher 19 nor andros to a lower test. So I will sometimes go four to 600 milligrams a week of the MPP with 200 milligrams a week of test. And that is a sweet thing for me. I feel great on it. Mentally, I'm good. Temper's good. Um, the only thing is, I'll be interested. I might try it again because I've been kind of just cruising for a long time. <clears throat> and with my show getting pulled, when me and Jason are going back into an improvement uh, season. So um, I tried all DECA, what, last October, like yeah. November? DECA only cycle. I got like real depressed on that. But um, I'm be interested to see how I respond with a little bit of testing with more MPP. But um, I actually like orals here and there in the off season i know i will do winstrol for four weeks anivar for four weeks to kind of get a kickstart i don't like uh anadrol or d-ball personally i i just don't feel good on them um a lot of this is individual but i know when pre-contest comes last four weeks i'll throw the whole kitchen sink in and, and kind of go there but up until the last four weeks it's usually just test master on and trend and just kind of uh what I don't put those in until I think like eight weeks out. And for the most part, it's just test and primo. Eight or um, ten is a good good mark to get going on those. You know, and that's the thing. I think when you get older, I want to say this to kick the, to finish this question off. I think we can all agree. But when you're younger, you'll push more gear. And it's just, I don't even know why I, I did. Like, I look back, I'm like, like you, Sue. I'm like, why did I do a thousand milligrams a week of test? And like, why did I just keep pushing through? Because I looked like a water buffalo baby. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, I was strong as shit, but I felt terrible, you know? Like, you'd have sex and you'd be out of breath in, like, two minutes. Like, oh, <laughs> ooh, you know, try, like, you know, forget trying to tie your shoes, you know? So, right. um, I think with that being said, we, there's you're hearing it from guys who are admitting openly that we've done more, and there's kind of no need for it, especially in the off-season. Pre-contest, that is what that is, you know? You, you do what you got to do to win. Um, or put yourself in a position when, but in the off season, there's no reason with extra calories, lower need activities for the most part and things like that for you to like really bust some shit wide open. That's just my take. Yeah, can, I, can I add a, a couple other things real quick for people? Sure. All right. So like you said, when you're younger, you tend to think you're invincible. You'll live forever and nothing's going to happen to you. Right. And then you get older, you change that. But I want to just say that, you know, like there really is no rule to all this stuff. This is all stuff that we've learned. And I think that we all have pretty good experience and we're all, we all pretty much have our heads screwed on straight here. So you can take our advice if you want it. But I've also seen a lot of crazy protocols too. So if you're someone out there who wants to push the limits, you don't give a fuck about your health. Sure. You can run trend in the off season. I've, I've been given some crazy protocols because I have worked with two other coaches or three other coaches in my time in bodybuilding who I won't name. And their protocols are much more aggressive then I think, you know, myself, yourself, Jeff, and Jason would, would subscribe to and, you know, suggest for our own clients. Um, and then finally, you know, like when you, when you actually see your blood work being like way off, it scares you. Like there was one time I remember after contest prep, 
I got my liver enzymes done, AST and ALT, and they were in the 300s. <laughs> oh, I, was God. Like, oh, I don't remember that, but that's high. I don't know if I've seen that before. Dude, <laughs> I mean, I, I should have seen it. I'm sure you sent it to me, but. I have the PDFs. I, I don't think I ever sent it to you, but I was like, oh. And then I, and then at that point, I was like, I'm done doing this. I can't be doing this anymore. And I just, you know, I stopped with that whole mentality of, oh, like, let's just push it a little bit more and see what happens, you know? So that's my parting thought on this question. Now, I will say this. Is we didn't really cover the women on it. But for off-season drug use with women, GH and insulin and abolic would be a great way to go. Yeah. Um, for women and then you know pre-contest is what it is there for women i think the trick is to be safe like we had that episode with jamie where she talked about the smart choices to make but i think yeah, the three of us go refer agree. to that if you want to hear about women yeah cycling. if you want to hear about that one but for the off-season part which we haven't really covered which i guess we could cover which would be insulin abolic and gh use with when with women in the off-season who are in physique sports um would be a good hack but uh on to question number three generic versus pharma gh I'm going to kick this one off. So I've been doing growth hormones since I'm 11, I was 11 years old. I personally take generics. Um, I have taken PharmaGH, obviously, when I was a kid. And I've got my hands on it. And I took it in going into 2000. I had Nordotropins and Humatropes going into Nationals 2018. And I did generics going into junior nationals 2017 and it there was no difference i can't tell a difference between the two i think that maybe you have a smidge more water on the generic ones maybe but i that's about the only thing i honestly noticed still slept good still felt good still full still had the blood glucose that was cranking up a little bit here and there you know so i i will say this if you are in a position that you're competing and if you can't afford the pre the pharma GH, I would not sweat it too much if you get a really good generic source where you can get it, you know, the quality's good. And there are quite a few good like black tops and gray tops. You just can't go wrong with those in the generic market. And they're coming all over now. The concern might be where you're getting it from, cough China. But um I personally will kick that to you guys at that point, but I stand that maybe a smidge more water on the generics and that's it, but not enough to say let some guy charge you $600 for 120 IUs of Humatrope when you could go get five kits, blacktop, 500 IUs for the same dollar amount, roughly. Well, Jeff, I, I'm going to disagree slightly there with you because I have not had good experience with generics myself, okay? So that could be just sourcing, you know. Um, but I so, – so here's the thing. So um i've been getting i have a prescription now for gh it's um from a from a, a clinic down in florida and um the brand that they um give me i think it's a it's called like zomactin or something like that um but anyway it's far it's obviously a pharmaceutical brand and for a kit i think it runs me like 250 bucks and that will last about 30 days if i run it at two ius um, so it's, it's not bad. You know, I've paid up to $800 for like a Lily, uh, like a Lily pharmaceuticals kit. So I've been ripped off before on the GH front, but I've noticed a huge difference, Jeff, in taking this Zomactin stuff because I have an autoimmune disease and not a lot of people know this. I have psoriasis. Okay. And I've had this ever since I was a kid and it's that it's so bad that I need to get an infusion every month of Remicade. So I'm hooked up to an IV for two hours, once a month. So my skin doesn't act up into lower inflammation, right? 
because of coronavirus, I haven't been able to get my treatments in about a month and a half. And usually if I miss a treatment by a week, my skin will like erupt and I'll get breakouts of, of the, uh, the plaque psoriasis. But now that I'm on Pharma GH, my skin has actually improved. It looks better than ever without the treatment. Couldn't that be that you have a lot more knowledge of gut health though, man? No, man, because I was still eating cottage cheese like two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> so no, it's the GH. I'm telling you, man, there's a difference. And like, I see it in my skin and like my okay. hair and all this stuff. It's, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to throw it out there because I know you're much more gut health oh, yeah. knowledable. <laughs> versus and, before. But yeah, like I was still eating like dairy and you told me yeah. like, cut this shit out. <laughs> yeah. I think I was on that text right when you told you cut that shit out, quit eating like a kid or something. Well, I mean, an autoimmunity, if you want to fix it, you know, you got to cut some inflammatory type foods out. He knows that. I yeah. am. Well, since I got you, since I Theobald, how do you answer this one? Well, Generic here's the thing, like, you know, um, I really kind of tend towards Jeff Black's um, response. But the thing is, um, when I had done generics, you know, I, him and I had the same, same stuff. And so, you know, it, it was, it was good. And when I switched, I, I'm on the same, I have a doctor script. I had literal clinical low IGF. Um, and I get a farm and literally I agree with what you said. When I changed over to just doing nothing but farm stuff and whatever my, uh, doctor will script me for HRT type stuff. I dropped water. So I think the difference is in the farm grade, you carry a little less water. Um, that probably has to do with impurities that are in the generic or maybe, you know, certain aminos missing in the generics that you get a full complementary in the, in the farm. I'm not real sure. Um, but I knew, so I know some coaches that are so strict on this that they, it's, they say either get, farm or don't even bother with generics into food you know so everyone has their own kind of little opinion on this but like jeff sue mentioned sometimes it's probably your source you know if you have a shitty generic source i mean shit there's there's people that will throw hcg in that shit and sell it because hcg you'll get a little swelling too so yeah you know if you had that shitty ass source um and we're buying hg acg for a year well you're gonna have that opinion so um, it's going to come down to your, your generic source, but yeah, I agree a little less water with, with farm grade. Sue, you yeah. know, with you spending $800 GH, I could buy 80 hits of acid for that. You know that, right? Like just that was only one in. time. I, I, some, some guy sold me like a Lily pen and I didn't even know how to use it. I think I fucked it up and like some of it came out. <laughs> I, I can see him like sending pictures. How do I do this? What do I do with this? Yeah, Where did I, I put it? <laughs> it was like some cartridge you had to load, and like I was like, ah, fuck this up. Well, those, those that was what I had for Nordetrip, and I had Nordetrip and pens, and it was like that. I just I broke the top off and just injected in, just drew, drew out of like the vial that was inside of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, the next question is longevity and bodybuilding. Well, here's an easy one: don't bodybuild. Um, but <laughs> sorry, I had to be passive aggressive in my humor there. But I'm going to pass this one to you first, Jason. What do you think about longevity and bodybuilding since you've been – maybe working out 25 years, but you're, you've got the age. I'm at 22. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm what do you say about it? Um, I mean, it's a broad context question. You can really kind of go anywhere. You want to maybe go over your, per, your career with it? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think I'll share some things that I think um, I've seen. Um, and longevity has a lot to do with everything that you do, from your food – to how you take care of your, you know, your, 
your internal workings, um, how you train, how hard you push drugs if you're on that side of the, of the fence. All of that's going to go into longevity. So let's talk about training. Um, you know, a lot of guys like just say that oh, the best way to train is progressive overload. You know, you got to do that to get bigger. And uh, we had Meadows on the podcast that I, other podcasts that I'm on elite physique university. And, you know, we went into this and Meadows and I both agreed that, you know, as you get older, um, if all you know is progressive overload, you're probably going to end up with a torn try, a torn by a torn chest. Like you're going to have to change how you train. And that's not the only way to train. If I do three by 10 on a machine and my reps suck and I do that machine for eight months and keep getting better at my execution, my motor patterns, how I make my chest or whatever the, the, the body part is, you can grow from, from, from improving a motor pattern. So there's many a ways to grow. Um, doesn't have to be progressive overload. So my point is watch your joints. Um, you've got to take care of your joints. And I've done that. Like I have shoulders that, that, I mean, I know they're just as good as any 21-year-old. I have no problem with them, and most shoulders by now at 42 are shot. But I've always been smart. I've always listened to when I'm in pain. I don't do shit that hurts. All these different things. I warm up the joint a lot of times with less weight. I'm not a big, like, just warm-up guy on a bike, but I'll, I'll, I'll work into low weight um, as I'm going and, and then into my bigger weights. Um, I will wait a lot of times to do compounds second or third and do things that will warm up a joint a little more. On uh, the gear side, like get as much gains as you can natural. Um, unless you know that you are on the course to be a, a pro in two to three years and can be in the Olympia in five years. And I know some people say, well, how, how are you going to know that without taking the gear? I mean, you can kind of look at someone's physique and know if they're destined to be a bodybuilder. I mean, no one looked at me and was like, man, you really should be on Olympia stage in five years, kid, you know? Um, so know where you're at and, 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 and get an education or get a career and do all that first. But, um, don't push the gear like, like, like crazy. Um, use it as, as something that, uh, helps, uh, but not a crutch. Learn to train properly as I talked about. And then you got to watch everything else. Like your internal health, your blood work. Um, I don't force food. Don't force feed. Yes. You have to be in a surplus, but I think guys still think, they have to eat 6,000, 5,000 calories to grow, and you're only going to add muscle so fast. And by doing that, you're going to blow out your insulin sensitivity unless you're just one of those genetically lucky, lucky elites who can eat, 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 and they always have 75 blood glucose. And I have a few guys like that, but most of us aren't like that. I know I'm not. So all these things you've got to take into account if you want to do this for a very long time and be able to keep getting better like I'm doing at 42. If my joints were shitty, I wouldn't be able to do that. If my blood markers were shitty, I wouldn't be able to do that. If my sleep was terrible, I wouldn't be able to do that. So a lot of things go into longevity. It's not just on the gear side. It's, it's all of it. And then also like my cheat meals. I'm not a guy who just pushes sugar and you know eats a lot of shit because then your gut health goes to shit. So you know, I'm on my diet year round. Um, I do break and obviously, you know, I've been out to dinner with you guys. I do break and have sushi and have pizza occasionally and do all these things. But, um, more than not, I'm, I'm on my nutrition plan 95% of the time year round. So those are some things that I do. And then obviously I supplement to protect health where I have issues, cholesterol, um, blood glucose, gut, you know, all those are my big issues. So I take care of those issues year round. So my two cents. Sue, you for longevity. 
For longevity, you know, I agree with a lot of what Jason said in terms of like diet, you know, not pushing drugs, you know, training smart so you don't get injured. I know a lot of guys who, you know, actually, I, in terms of the drugs, I know a lot of guys who were abusing pro hormones when those were hot, you know, like back in like the early 2000s. And they are all God, M1T was the best. Fuck yeah, yeah, man. Well, a lot of these guys, they start taking this stuff as 16, 17 year olds in high school and they never got off like into their 20s. And these people don't even touch a weight anymore. Like they just look like melted bags of like. Because their test is like 200 because that shit crushed their HPTA. Yeah, and they have horrible skin. They're bald and like it's just they, they fuck themselves up. And then in terms of training, you know, a lot of guys like. Well, bald's genetics. That doesn't have anything to do with pro hormone. I mean. You're either like, going to lose it or you're not. It'll, it'll, it'll um, accelerate, though, you know? It'll accelerate it for sure. Yeah. But, like, you know, and on the training side, um, you know, I know guys who, you know, are ego lifting. They, you know, tore a quad, you know, tore an adduct there, whatever. Chest, you know, tricep, and they're done. But one thing I want to uh, mention here in terms of longevity is bodybuilding is a very expensive sport, okay? Especially with the food and the supplements and all that stuff. And I want to talk about it from this angle. I know a lot of guys, especially younger guys, who have dreams of the Olympia stage, which probably won't ever happen because it only happens to like the top, top 1%. And you'll know it if you have it. But they're stubborn. So they put bodybuilding first. They put it above relationships, above their family, above their education, their job. And all they do is bodybuild. And it leads you down a path of like financial ruin. Okay. And then, so you have a lot of guys who are doing like weird things on the side, like, like jerking off online or something like that. Like there are a lot of guys who do that. Let's be honest. That happens in our, in our industry there. And then they, you know, they forego education. So they're working like a, you know, like a part-time sales job or something because they don't want to work. They just want to train they sell drugs on the side to make the money to buy the GH and the food that will lead you down a path of ruin and you won't get any longevity out of it. That's not a sustainable way to live. So my advice to anyone listening to this right now, if you're a young guy, get educated, go to school, you know, put your education first, put a career first, value your relationships and make bodybuilding a part of all that. Don't prioritize this because this isn't going to carry you through, you know, it's the rest of the stuff that will. Yep. It's great advice. You got to have, you got money to bodybuild. And if you're unstable, your training is going to be unstable. Your eating is going to be unstable and it's all going to fall apart. Um, I'm going to touch on longevity and bodybuilding in regard to women. Ladies, one, hire a coach. Two, hire a coach that knows hormones. Three, hire a coach who knows hormones and how to understand blood work or a Dutch test. Those would be my three things for your longevity because when your menstrual cycle starts getting screwed up and you guys are constantly in and out of diets, and this is for the bikini girls too, there's something called the energy availability threshold. And when you're below that number of calories and you're neat, your non-exercise adaptive thermogenesis is up, <clears throat> you're thermogenic effective activity is up and you're doing all this activity it gets to a point you get so low and the activity gets so high your body starts shutting it down then you're dealing with a coach like one of us three who've got to work you two years backwards to be able to undo everything you did for that so make sure if you guys are going to compete in this industry of physique sports that you have a coach who's knowledgeable with women's health and who understands women's hormones primarily because that's the one thing that I think knocks women out of it quicker than other. Oh, and the other thing will be if you're dating a guy and he offers you Anavar, make sure it's like really fucking Anavar before you take it. And you got a clit that's two inches big. And then your voice is really deep like mine. Cause once you get there, there's kind of like no going back to that kind of circus show. 
So that would be my advice on the longevity side. Well, that can still happen on VAR if it's too much and, you know, not too. So, I mean, for the most part, like, you'll get a lot, like, that's like the one thing you'll hear. You've, like, you've seen it too. Girls come to you on trend. Well, why did you get on trend? Well, my boyfriend said it was okay. And I'm like, oh, you know, so. What I see with VAR a lot is a boyfriend who said, I'll take 50 MIGs, you know? Yeah, you'll see that shit. And so, I mean, the voice is going to change. And, you know, even the voice can change on 10 MIGs. I mean, women need to know that going in. Yeah, true. But but you take 50, uh, that's 350 MIGs a week. Uh, that piles up. That's like yeah, piles up. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I guess with that being said, the summary for women in longevity and bodybuilding, like guys, guys can abuse it and get away with it longer with with less implications to their health. I agree their with body that. For 100%. the most part, women, you guys got like one good shot to do it right. I think maybe a second, and then after that, everything starts going. Boop, 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 and then it's yeah. Done. Yeah. I mean, we're <laughs> pretty good, and you know that's what I do is help give them a second chance by getting everything going again, but. I really agree with you on that. Yep. Uh, next question. What to look at in blood work? So this is going to be like, that's a really wide open question. Yeah, it is. I guess let's take it from like, we haven't done gen pop. Let's take it from a gen pop perspective then. Um, what would you be looking for in blood work, uh, Jason? If you have, say, 40-year-old Mrs. Jones coming to you and she just yep. blood, you know, just want to drop away XYZ, what would you kind of go with? Um, so I always am going to go like CBC and I'm going to get like fasted and, um, fasted insulin complete blood count panel where they do all the blood count stuff. Um, and I'm going to add like a fasted insulin and a fasted blood glucose to that. Um, I'm going to get a CMP, which is a complete metabolic panel. And that's where they look at like liver. So you'll have your AST, your ALT. That's where it looks like kidneys. You know, you're going to be looking at bun and creatinine. You're going to want to make sure you, you take a look at those EGFR, um, which is your globular filtration rate. Um, those are major for kidneys, but if you, if you have them do a CMP, you'll get all that. I'm going to look at thyroid and, uh, doctors aren't going to run this right. I've talked about this many a times. So you're going to need to be stern here. I'm going to do, uh, free T3, free T4. Um, I'm going to do TSH. I'm going to do reverse T3. Uh, that's when stress gets going too high. It's a way for the body to shut, shut you down and slow you down. Um, and TPO antibodies. So you can see if you have any Hashimoto's. Then I'm going to look at your uh, hormones, um, progesterone. I'm going to see how you're doing at 40. It's possible that it's, it's, it's low. Um, and you're starting to get those symptoms of estrogen dominance. I'm going to look at estradiol. Um, I'm going to look at free test, total test, cortisol. I like to get to see if there is any progesterone steel going on. And then you can also throw in Andrestine Dion, Andrestine Dial, um, DHEA, just to check off to make sure they don't have any PCOS. Um, and then, you know, that probably is good enough for that person. Um, you know, you can look at SHBG, which is your sex hormone binding globulin. You can look at CRP, which is inflammation. There's a lot of other things you can add, but I think what I gave you, um, with the CBC and adding a few extra things, the CMP, adding a few extra things, the thyroid and the hormones that would give you a really good look internally to map out most of the issues that you're going to see with a 40 year old woman, which is a lot of times going to be lower progesterone, estrogen dominance, thyroid issues and insulin insensitivity issues from years of just not eating well. So it's going to give you a nice full round look of what's going on internally. And really you can do the same thing for a man in the same spot and you really don't need progesterone. Um, but the rest of it, I would probably get for a man as well. 
Um, real quick, how would you look at a woman, a female competitor coming to you who just recently competed? Female competitor, I will definitely get SHBG too because you see a lot of like that rising as stress rises. But everything else I listed, I would definitely get for a female competitor as well um, to map them out. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would do with a female competitor that I didn't list, but I don't think there is. I think that uh, that would, would you do the neurotransmitter too. part on the Dutch test. I don't do a Dutch test unless I get stuck. Okay. I don't like Dutch to map someone out, to be honest with you. I use that when I've done like what I know and I've hit all the areas on labs and then there's still issues I get, then I'll have a Dutch. I just don't like to make them run an extra thyroid because the Dutch is already like 400 bucks. And then you got to run thyroid if you want it. And that's another 200 ZRT panel. Uh, then you got, you know, so I, I just go labs first and I use Dutch when people just aren't responding personally. Okay. That makes sense from a coaching perspective. I can I can get behind that. Sue, what about you with a male who comes to you, we'll say 30-year-old, mid-30s, and what would be the test that you would want to do? Just usual gym pop. Um, I think I'm more or less touching on the low T that we've all bitched about uh, with low some T. of our male competitors. Because you've talked about that before. You've had clients about the low T. Yeah. That you yeah, really I had have. to address that. So I wanted to give that you that question they started yeah, yeah. with. I think, first of all, with blood work um, – as a coach, you have to keep in mind that blood work can be kind of pricey and not all clients can afford to get every test that you wish them to get done that, you know, in an optimal situation or best case scenario. So it helps to ask the right questions. And if you have seen, you know, enough cases during your time coaching, you can sort of, you know, guess and, you know, and be pretty close about it in terms of what might be going on based off of what you've seen in the past. So based off of that, you can more, you can target your questioning towards the client to really try to figure out what's going on. If it's a digestive issue, if it's a hormone issue, if they're not sleeping well, if they're high stress, whatever, right? So you want to be as efficient as possible when it comes to blood work. Um, now, if the client has an unlimited budget, by all means, get all the tests that you need to be the best coach that you can be, right? And same thing if you're just getting it tested yourself. Um, if you can afford it, do it. Um, in terms of a 30 year old gen pop male, I would definitely get all the sex hormones checked. So, um, I would do obviously testosterone, total testosterone, free testosterone. I would get estrogen checked. I would get SHBG checked, which is sex hormone binding globulin, which if it's elevated, it can reduce the amount of free testosterone that is actually acting upon the tissues on your, on your body. And it's, so that is the effective level of testosterone. Um, I probably look at like, you know, hematocrit as well, because that's, um, that's a risk factor for men. So I would want to see hematocrit 50% or below. Um, so that, you know, you're not at risk for, um, that'll be in CBC. Yeah. CBC. Yep. Yeah. So the complete blood count would include that. Um, and then I would look at, you know, CRP, you know, CRP is, um, inflammation. So, you know, that's a pretty cheap test that you can get done as well. And thyroid, just like Jason said, you have to get all those components done. And that is TSH, T3, T4, free, um, uh, reverse T3, and the TPO antibodies to um, um, check for any sort of uh, Hashimoto's, which can occur in men. It's not just a women's thing. So. Agreed. Cool. Well, next question is how often do blood work? This one should be pretty quick. Depends upon where you, what you're doing and what you need to have the answer for. So meaning if you're going into pre-contest, probably want some blood work, see what's going on before you start 
you're a male or female gassing it and coming out of pre-contest. I wouldn't do it right after pre-contest. I would wait a few weeks and let your body kind of adapt out, get that, get your, what you're doing down to a normal, reasonable level, and then go do your blood work and see what you guys got to like clean up afterwards. But if you're talking just gym pop, unless you're working a situation like female hormones or, or testosterone level with a male or a thyroid issue or something like that, I think once or twice a year is fine, man. I mean, I, I think people go overkill with that. Like I've seen guys like every month and I'm like, dude, you're just running 300 tests. Like you're a okay. Like just, that's fine. You know what I mean? Um, but I think we can all agree with that one. That's pretty much just dose dependent upon what, what you're doing for yourself or your coach as you're doing. Yeah. I think if you're a general, you know, not pushing the envelopes and you're using peds, I would get it every you know six months. Right. Um, you know, women who work with me who have hormonal issues, it's every 10 weeks, um, 10 to 12. It's after, you know, get that, that red blood cell, uh, turnover usually takes 90 days. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, I agree with you on, on post contest type windows, um, get off, get off the pads, get off the drugs if you used them and then let your body kind of settle out and fix whatever issues there are and go from there. So I think that covers that pretty easy. So you, anything to throw on that one or next question? I mean, I agree with all of you. I mean, you have to understand like there, like certain processes in the body take time, right? So for example, like if you're on test, depending on the ester, it's going to take time for it to increase your, your levels, right? Same thing with if you pull, if, if a woman stops taking birth control and she wants to see where her hormone levels are at, you know, the, follic the follicular cycle is about, you know, 90 to hundred days. So you might want to give enough time for things to pass before you retest. Or, um, you know, like, like you guys have talked about, you know, post contest, you want to give your liver and kidneys time to sort of do their thing. Like when I mentioned my ALT and AST were like in the 300s, that was like literally like two weeks after a show when I was just done pounding like hail, hail tested for like two weeks. So um, adequate time is uh, important so that you're efficient, you're not wasting money. So. Cool. The next question is essential vitamins and health subs to take you around. So I'm going to kick this off. Krill oil. I think we can all agree he's a top dog. Um, I take about 2.4 grams of that a day. It comes like 600 milligrams. Uh, ubiquinol with PQQ. I've always been a fan of ubiquinol. It's good for your heart. <clears throat> it's a better bioavailable form of CoQ10. But the PQQ, after doing some HRV cert uh, certification and some of my literature readings, has been shown to be very good as a complementary part to your ubiquinol in terms of uh, heart rate variability, which we'll touch on in here in a second. But the one thing it does is I have preventricular contractions and preatrial contractions, and it helps lower those. And I have noticed that since I'm on that. So the one I take is from Jaro, and it's ubiquinol with PQQ. Uh, citrus bermagot, I take that for um, blood glucose, and especially depending upon where my GH is at. Um, Turmeric, like Jason said, you definitely want that for inflammation. Um, krill oil, again, is great for inflammation. I take thyroid and liver support. I am too lazy to take all the necessary pieces for thyroid, so I take Thyroid Boost by New Ethics. And you guys will hear me swear by it again, but for my liver support, it's Metapure. Um, I am using Winstraw oral right now, my little off season, just cause I wanted to burn it out before it went bad and I'm doing my Metapure. So I might just actually run it, 
I need to run blood work. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just do it right right in the last week of this because I'm curious to see if Metapure just keeps that liver moving good. Um, the other one I take is Metformin, but I take that from a longevity standpoint. It is really good for your glucose disposal as far as what it does through uh, glucose in your liver. But where it really holds its uh, weight to me is every day you have billions of different DNA replications going on inside your body, DNA interactions, and it lowers it down into the millions. So they think that they can actually extend human life that way. If you look at some of the cool studies, it's one of the only drugs that's being looked at. I think it's phase two or phase three clinical trials for longevity, but um, it was in when that one study with human growth hormone and like HRT or something like that were showed to add years back on linked to telomeres. So I use that. Um, a, glu a good glucose disposal agent, depending upon where you're at, I think it's great. GDA Max would be my favorite um, that I use because I used a product called Slim Max before, and that shit was driving me hypo. Like I would take two with 100 grams of carbs, and I'd be, I would get a full swing and go the other way. Remember, I texted you guys that one day and showed you my BG was like 39. Yeah. And I was like dying in bed. I was like, this is terrible. That was a mistake. So some of those supplements you want to be careful about. So you want to make sure you use a, a good name brand. And then finally, just got to touch on zinc and magnesium, especially if you're a woman on birth control. Zinc and magnesium, we got to be two cornerstones along with the other couple of things. But for men too, um, both sexes, no matter where you're at, zinc and magnesium, you're not getting enough in the food. You're not getting enough in your diet. Those are staples. And then whenever you guys want to sprinkle on, Sue, you got anything you want to sprinkle onto that before I pass it to Gramps? Yeah, I think um, just understand the body's systems um, in general first. So I think the most important systems are like, number one, your cardiovascular system, right? then your digestive system, your detoxification system, and um, your hormones, right? So that's like your sex hormones and your thyroid. And so that being said, I'm not someone who takes like too, too much of the day-to-day, uh, the -day, you know, health subs. Like right now I'm on Metapure from uh, Jason's company, uh, New Ethics. And I'm also taking something called Gut Defender uh, for GI health. And I'm just like trying that stuff out because I want to, you know, experiment on, my, on myself. But if you are on a tight budget, I would say for heart health, krill oil is very effective at lowering um, LDL and boosting HDL. I've personally seen my HDL go up by 20 something points by taking five krill oil pills by a brand called Viva Naturals. Um, so five krill oil pills for about four weeks boosted by HDL 20 points. Um, for inflammation, curcumin or curcumin as Jason likes to say it, uh, Life Extensions brand, I think that's what you recommend, Jason? Yes, it is. That's a very good brand to use. So for inflammation, I would do that. Digestion, I would do a betaine or pepsin supplement like uh, Jason's uh, Utilize or a, or a probiotic, you know, at the very basic level. And, you know, support your hormones using uh, magnesium and zinc for both men and women. Um, so that's where I would start or a multivitamin at least, you know, to get your bases covered. Mm, good call. I also want to say on that citrus bermagon I threw out, that also does increase your HDL as yeah. well as yeah, manage your blood glucose sensitivity. But Jason, got anything you want to polish off on that? Yeah, I mean, I'll just add that, you know, you can kind of go wild here. And I, I like to look at, you know, my, what are issues within my family? What are issues on my labs? And what are issues within my biofeedback? So, for instance, I've always had a shitty gut. I was a C-section baby. I will swear up and down that those of us who don't have normal vaginal births don't have as good of digestions. Um, so I'm, I, I have to boost up my jet digestion big time. You know, I'm taking betaine. I'm taking uh, pancreatin um, enzymes from, from our utilized product. Um, I ran a bottle of our gut defender just recently. Um, actually, two bottles. Um, 
what else do I do for digestion? And I take, I take our flora protect, um, which is, you know, uh, going to add the, the good flora. So I'm big on digestion cause I need it. I'm also big on insulin sensitivity because it will fade fast on me. Um, so I do 500 milligrams of metformin. I get that, uh, scripted and then I use our GDA with all my carb meals. Um, but my, my cholesterol is never great. I've never had a really high, nice HDL. So uh, the krill oil. And then I also use a product called Cardioxin by Nutridyne. Really good product for heart health. So I cover that. And then I'm also, uh, I, have shitty, um, I have a shitty brake system, meaning my neurotransmitters are low when it comes to serotonin. They're low when it comes to GABA. So I put in our relaxed liposomal because I have low GABA and that's going to help me sleep. And I have low serotonin. So 5-HTP is a good product. So once I took aim to help, you know, that side, I was able to relax more and get more back into a parasympathetic nervous system type state. Um, I do take our cordies because again, I am very type A and very work driven. And so I watch my cortisol as well. So my point is you need to take your own biofeedback, look at your own labs, look at the things that cause you issues, because that might not, what causes me issues may not cause you issues. So, um, you know, again, you could, you could spend 800 bucks a month on this type of shit. Um, if you just start hitting every single system, you know, um, but live uh, forever, huh? (laughs) Live forever. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, um, we threw out some good ideas for you. You can, you can Google different ones and then think about what your own, um, possible, you know, hangups are in your health and, and start there. So that's my two cents on it. I got something for you. How about I did a double microdose and then tried your liposomal relax and wired. I don't know what it did to me, but I was like happy just laying in bed. And I'm like, why? I should be pissed off. I should want to be asleep. And I was like, I don't know if it was something new. We don't know how it mixes with LSD, so I can't really. I will do the studies for you. Just get Vance and Stephanie to support it. And I'll be like, study me. But anyway, the next question is, how to train and eat when top of a weight class and classic and don't want to compete in open? Well, I don't have that problem. So, and my guys are men's physique and, and I have a couple of classic and open, but I encourage people who are classic to do the open as well. So they get seen more by the judges and the judges kind of, especially if you're local, my opinion, if you're local, like regional and you're just trying to understand what you need to improve and what you need to do to go to the national stage. Cause too many people just go, Oh, did a qualifier going to go show up in nationals. And I think you kind of got to go through the ranks, but um, Jason, I'll let you feel that one because I know you're the pro of us and, and you are I'm kind classic. of in that boat. I mean, I competed at the hurricane at 185. That's the top of my weight class. It wasn't bad conditioning. I got fifth. Um, and I can't be any heavier than eight, 185. And then I tore it down and got, came in around 180 at the Kentucky pro and did even better. But my point is I'm pretty much towing that line of the 185. And so what do I do? Um, well, I'm only on HRT year round. Anything that I can't get from a doctor, I don't take. So you don't need to go gangbusters with the hormones. Um, and then food. Like I eat 2,700 calories probably a day. Um, it's okay to be a little you? hungry. Huh? You have me eating more than you? That's crazy. Probably. I don't eat that much. Um, but my biggest meals are where they need to be. A timing and efficiency of your meals are very important and you can still grow. I've probably been 192 yeah. my off season for the last three years, but I'm telling you right now, every picture you look at, I'll look way better as I move forward. And it's, you can continually stay leaner 
and get more muscle on you. And so I'll probably stay at 192, but next year I'll look even better again. And I'll probably stay even a little bit leaner. And so if you're living the true bodybuilding lifestyle, you really don't need all this body fat. You don't really have to, you know, force food. You're going to get better. If you're chasing 250 on the scale, then by all means, push your drugs and push food and, and be bloated and do all that shit that you got to do. But if you're at the top of your thing, stay lean, stay healthy, uh, take some HRT just so you're in an optimal hormonal zone, but not inflamed. I'm telling you, by, by being less inflamed, you're going to grow better anyways. Um, I've made my best changes in the last three years, not chasing the scale weight. I don't give a fuck what I weigh. Um, and just be about 200 calories above maintenance. That's all you really need to add muscle over time. You don't have to be pounding food. And you'll stay right around your weight, but you will continue to improve over time, assuming you know how to train properly as a bodybuilder. I, I agree with you there. You don't need much above maintenance to make any gains. And I think where a lot of bodybuilders get hung on the, in the off-season with this, I'll go in the off-season approach is they'll do that one or two free meals. And those free meals are mm -hmm. just too much on top yep. of their regular Always. calories. Yep. And you just, well, I'm entitled to this. Way. I'm going to eat a large pizza. Well, go ahead, but you're going to gain two pounds of fat every week. You know? Yeah. Where if they just ate two or three slices, Correct. they would have been like way and better. That's how I do it. When I have pizza, I have no more than four and I eat a big salad because I like salad and I 100% agree with you. Sue, uh, the question was how to train and eat when top of the weight class and classic and don't want to compete in open. That well, doesn't really apply to us because we're like open guys. So that's why I defer yeah. to Jason. I'm not a classic guy, but the, the, the root of this question is, you know, how do you maintain, you know, a competitive physique, a great shape, right, all that stuff, and be at the top of your class without, you know, spilling over, right, into, into open. So I'll take myself, for example. You know, I was a middleweight for a very, very long time. And like Jason said, you know, over time, when I looked at my photos, when I, was first, when I first became a middleweight in like 2014, until the last time I competed as a middleweight in 2016, my physique got better and I was still at that 176 cutoff. And I, I was lean every time. And so, you know, recently I moved up to light heavy. I competed as a light heavy um, last season for three shows. And I can, I know for a fact that the next time I compete, I'm still going to be a light heavy, but I will be even better than before at that same weight, at the same weight cutoff. I still have a little more room too at that 198 cutoff. Um, and so it's all about optimizing systems. You know, it's not about pushing food. It's about training smarter, training harder and, um, you know, getting digestion, right? So you're actually more efficient at absorbing the nutrients that you're putting into your body and all that will contribute to better growth, more efficient growth, better lean tissue, quality tissue accrued on the body. So that's how I think, um, you know, you should approach that. If you don't want to be gaining too much mass, you want to improve the quality of the mass that you have. Yeah, eating a slight surplus and then time your time your meals around training when you really need them. Make the body want food, but be in a slight surplus and uh, you'll get better and not get outside your weight class. Yeah, and that pizza thing, Jason, that you were talking about, there was a thread. I was I was reading in one, one of those like Facebook bodybuilding groups. Um, I think it, it was a pretty well-known uh, IFBB pro who said it's always the little guys. And he meant little guys like me, you know, like 200 pounders, right? Because this guy's like 280, right? And he says, always the little guys that like those cheat meals to push food in the off season. And he says, I guarantee you that if you actually were consistent with your diet and were like at 4,000 calories of like clean food, it's better than being at 3,000 and trying to like bump it up using like Chick-fil-A or pizza once a week. And so I took that to heart because I like my Chick-fil-A. So this off season, Jason, when we're doing it, 
I'm going to tone down those cheat meals and we're going to see what happens when I have a consistent clean surplus. Yeah. You'll probably grow the best you ever have. Yeah. With, without having to pull back all the time. You know, I always, have and, an- and you know, for those listening out there, Jeff has a better metabolism. I mean, like 4,000 really isn't force feeding Jeff. I mean, it's, right. it's a surplus, but it's not, um, it's not a crazy caloric intake where he's bloated and, and feeling bad. So, you know, everyone's got a different intake where they're at. Right. Final two questions. First one, how to improve HRV? So I'll field this one first. So HRV, heart rate variability. I'm going to throw out the three biggest things. Well, if you're not monitoring your HRV, you're not going to know if you're improving your HRV. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say that. The one that I know uh. that I, I, I whore out is whoop. And whoop is actually now shows your breath rate underneath your sleep. So compared to Aura, the only thing the Aura ring does that the whoop does not is check your body temperature when you're sleeping. So it adjusts because body temperature is a a factor in terms of HRV. Like if you're running hot, your body's obviously working harder to recover. Um, I can tell you from wearing that Aura ring and a couple other clients who've worn it that the data is all over the place. It's a little bit more consistent with whoop. But there are three things to improve this. Um, one is high-intensity interval training. Um, sounds counterproductive. Counts counterintuitive, actually, would be the word. But for whatever reason, they've shown that the, the athletes who tend to be more endurance usually have better heart rate variabilities and are more parasympathetic. So I've seen this with one of my runners who has a whoop. His heart rate variability will be like 140. And when I've never like, even seen close to that number. Dude, he was in the he was like 180s when he was prepping for his race. He was like so parasympathetic driven, like he just was like exhausted. So he had like the other side of it, you know, rather than being uh, yeah. like tight, he yeah. was just so loose. Like watching him work out was like watching like a limp dick trying to do some good work. <laughs> you know, like legit. Yeah. He even admitted he's like, because now his HRV's come down because we backed his running down. He's thinking about competing and physique and so now his hrvs like go way down into like the normals he's like oh yeah i see the response i'm looking at you know he's so there's something to be said about that you can go too far with the hrv and get parasympathetic saturation and that's just where your body's just you're just gonna feel like a bag of wet noodles um micronutrients that is huge i know that on the days that i do hit if I had a second scoop of gourmet greens by New Ethics in with all my micronutrients and antioxidants, I am nine out of 10 times sans like some wild stress that I've been under lately with my business. Um, usually green, nine out of 10 times. So micronutrients, you, athletes, especially with sweating, working out, you guys are burning through them quicker. So micronutrients is a way to help recover your HRV. And the last one will be meditation. If you look at all the studies on HRV that involve meditation is singly, single-handedly the one that will change HRV dramatically the quickest. Um, I know that that is a hard thing for people to do. I would recommend an app called Headspace and start with just five minutes every day. I was doing it after my morning cardio. I would come upstairs. I would put a podcast in my AirPods. I would stretch for 15 minutes, cool down, and then I would lay in the ground and start with five minutes. And then now I'm up to doing 15 minutes. Um, Every day, can I meditate? Nope. There are some days that the chatter is so good, I'm thinking about everything else I need to be doing. But for the most part, um, it has become a hobby or a habit of mine. And I can say that the days where I'm successful in my meditation, I feel a lot more loose and a little bit more free. Um, And then the fourth little piece would be microdosing LSD. Um, I'm going to present on that at the PEC. 
I know that marijuana, me and Jason are going to talk about that too at the PEC in our presentation in terms of HRV and stuff that we've noticed we've done with marijuana that would probably shock you all to see the results because you would think one way, but it really turns out it might not be that way. Um, but I'll turn it over to you, Jason. What You got anything else you want to throw in there on the HRV? Yeah, I mean, I'll just hit on a few other things. Um, some things that I've noticed. Um, one day I didn't get enough water intake in, and this rarely happens, but my recovery was horrible. Um, so, I mean, most bodybuilders and people who are health conscious aren't, aren't in this boat, but, you know, if you are one of those people that get busy, you don't get your water in, like dehydration really played a bad role on mine that day, and, and I very rarely let that happen to myself. Another thing that I've noticed that will help is, and I know you're going to say, well, no shit, but sleep, like really got to focus on your sleep. And I've listened to the whoop um, podcast where they say that sleep actually doesn't play a huge role into the equation, but the way the equation is written, sleep's just kind of in it anyways. And I, you would have to go listen to the woman and maybe Jeff Black can expound on that. But it was almost like they didn't, too much weight on sleep because they're worried about drunk sleep and things like that. But at the same time, it's, it's wrapped in it anyway. So my point is you get to bed an extra two hours early, your recovery is going to be a lot better. I mean, it just is. And my HRV improves and I get more greens. And then another thing that really works for me is, um, Cordy's, uh, relax because I get uh, much more deep sleep and that's where your body, uh, rests um, is repaired. I'm sorry. Um, REM sleep is more for the brain, uh, repair and rest. Um, and so Cordy's and, uh, relax have really helped. And then lastly, CBD for me. And, you know, if you look at all the research on CBD, it does show that you get into parasympathetic state better, which then your, your digestion improves. So if I do CBD, uh, before bed, um, that actually really helps me get green and bring my HRV up as well. So those are a few for me. What about you, Sue? Um, yeah, so most you guys covered most of it, but to kind of tie it all together, you know, like when you said it can improve it, I would say it sort of depends on where the client is at. So like if someone is chronically stressed, I, I don't think like you, you want to actually pull back on um, intensity in, in some cases in terms of training and cardio. So something more like lists, like outdoor walking might be better for PNS activation. So you have to pay attention to training modality, right? And then like you guys both said sleep, sleep hygiene specifically. So get off your phone, get off the laptop, stay away from the blue light, get some blue light blocker glasses, um, and establish a, a routine so that you're always going to bed at the same time. Um, recovery, again, PNS, parasympathetic nervous system stimulation, CBD works, smoke a joint, uh, relax liposomal like Jason has. Um, control inflammation. Inflammation can also decrease HRV, so That's take per human. Um, and again, managing stress. So from uh, just, a, just a soft management standpoint in terms of having, you know, healthy coping mechanisms, like, you know, you, you, if something goes wrong, you know, you don't, you know, binge eat, you know, and you go for a walk instead, you don't, you don't, um, you know, engage in a lot of negativity online, for example, like right now, there's a lot of shit online that you could find yourself arguing about, right? And of course, adaptogens like, um, you know, Jason's Cordy's or um, something like ashwagandha can help. So all those things can help boost HRV and boost. hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, last question, smoking dope pre-workout. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that like, it depends for me. I am, I'm very, very type a, and it does not, I don't have a hard time flipping the switch to go work out. In fact, like, it takes me a few minutes to come out of that place when I get done working out. Like I'm real irritable until like, I'm kind of like, Oh, 
to like Will Ferrell in old school when he's like, let me have this question. And he like answer. He's like, what happened? What happened? Like, I feel like that after workout. I do say this though, on the days that I do smoke up before my workout, I have a better workout. I'm better mind muscle connected, better pump. I'm more present. I'm able to just like lock in quicker. Um, So I tend to do it on my weaker body part days as a hack. Like I don't do it on chest day because I'm like, I don't care about chest, but like hamstring, quad day, uh, shoulders, things back day where I just really need to slow everything down and not uh, try to slow, put all the weight on there. I think it's good in that regard. That regard, um, I will say this though: if you smoke a lot of weed before you go to bed, your HRV is going to be trashed. Yep. I've seen that on my wall. Yep, one hundred percent. Too much right before bed. I'm just like <laughs> guaranteed yep. yellows or red. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm going to toss it. I don't. So you don't smoke up before you work out. So dude, I, yeah. I could not do that, man. If I did that, I'd be like, you nah, know, it's a mindset. <laughs> you you already got yourself talked into not. All right. Well, they give it to us. Give it to us, Pappy. Well, I mean, it's a mindset. Like people want to say people who smoke weed are lazy, blah, blah, blah. That's them. They're lazy anyways. So they smoke weed and they they just become more of what they are. Like um, if you're looking forward to go working out and you, I'm not saying get fucking stoned before, maybe hit like three or four times on a, on a THC vape. It's the best pump that I get at, at all. It is the best pump. I, I mean, every time I see Sue and we're training together and it's not often, he's like, how you so round? How, how, I, don't, I don't get it. Dude, I'm telling you. kept offering the pen in Atlanta. And my like, no, pump, man, no. My pumps from smoking THC pre-workout are amazing. And therefore, my mind muscle connection improves. And then also, pain is different. It, it, it feels warm and almost feels good. So instead of running mm-hmm. from when that pain starts, you're like, oh, that warmth feels awesome. And you chase the pain. And if you can do that when you're training and push past the pain barrier, you're going to improve. Let's look at it this way. Go back and look at some of my picks. I went pro 2016. That's the year I started doing THC pre-workout. So did I really just get that much better at the mind muscle connection or did I find something that really works excellent for me and in getting into that zone immediately? Like from rep one, uh, I'm, I'm feeling that heat, that pain, that, that burn. I'm really able to zone into, uh, the muscle I'm training. And, um, I just don't think there's a better pre-workout. I'll give you that. Um, but we got through all 10 of our questions. How exciting is that? Pretty good. We were we went a little over an hour, but hopefully people got something out of it. I think so. Really good episode, meaty one. Yeah, no, it's a good Q and A. It was it was it was all over. You know that was nice to see. Um, I want to say this real quick. Um, If you're listening and you guys found value in this, please share the podcast, pay it forward, leave a review on iTunes. Um, We are actually on YouTube now. You can find us on the Excellence Cartel on YouTube. We might actually be doing YouTube-only content as special little things for following us, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. You want to make sure you subscribe, but, um, you know, you guys have been doing an awesome job. We read the reviews you guys leave. We share as much as you guys tag us in, so please tag us, share us. If you guys have any questions, any topics you want us to cover, we're all about it. Um, I personally want to do a whole episode on my strategizing to become senator of Tennessee, but uh, I don't think (laughs) I would love it. I would love it. I have to have like, like if anyone out there is listening and you're in poli sci, hit me up. Um, And that's another thing I want to say real quick. And then we'll round this out guys follow us on social media. We love interacting with y'all. I know I, I I enjoy the conversations that some of y'all have with me 
and some of the stuff you guys ask. Um, we do this because we actually, the three of us, enjoy each other's company and we bullshit like this through text message. So we just figure we would bring the bullshitting to you all that we do. Um, but feel free to ask us stuff, interact with us. We enjoy that. That's why we like the PEC. We can yeah. easily do it on zoom and sell it at a high dollar and do all that. But we actually like to go meet, train people, train with people, have dinner with them afterwards and then do the seminar and then work out again. So we actually enjoy the interaction side. So you're not bothering us. Feel free to hit us up, engage with us. We love it. And otherwise, guys, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah, yeah. All right. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Okay.